you are your work. Yeah. You know, they're, they are paying you specifically to do specifically what you do. So it takes even more intentionality there, but you can still do it. I think you can still accomplish it. And that really comes down to also just having some awareness of what else is part of your life. You know, like Mm -hmm. your business isn't your life, even though your income funds your life, Mm -hmm. you can really kind of draw a distinction or a, a more clear line between what you do and who you are. Every day as a parent who, like a working parent, especially those who run their own business, I feel like every day is kind of like a sacrifice. You're sacrificing Mm. something. You're not balancing anything. You're just sacrificing things. So it's like, what's the sacrifice right now in this season? Welcome to Wave Social Podcast, powered by Arcade Studios. My name's Mike. I'm here with my co-host, Mitzi, and we've curated a show for digital marketers, advertisers, and modern entrepreneurs who want to stop chasing the tide and start making waves online. Each episode, we'll sit down with the tastemakers and strategic minds behind some of the most engaged communities and up-and-coming brands. We'll pull back the curtain on their strategies and experiences to uncover the methodology behind their seismic impact. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. What's up, everybody? Wow. Here we are with an unorthodox take on a Wave Social Podcast episode, just for your listening pleasure. That's right. Today is our first ever solo episode with just the two of us. No. Episode zero. Right. That one where I talked about client services. It's the first ever solo Ask Us Anything episode. Yes. (laughs) We're changing up the format. We took the social this week. If you're not following us on Instagram, follow us at Wave Social because we do a lot on there. We open it up to the audience on on Instagram to ask questions because we've got a lot going on. We've learned a lot of lessons over the last few years. We are an open book. So this is going to be fun. What do you think, Mitzi? Yeah. So we asked everyone to submit some questions that we're going to answer. But before we dive into our answers, we just want to lay a bit of a groundwork for Mm -hmm. what we're going to be speaking about. So many of you may know that we have an agency called Arcade and we started... before you go on. Okay. (laughs) Speaking of Instagram, our handle for Arcade on Instagram is Hello Arcade. And this is going to change soon because way too many people think our agency is called Hello Arcade. Yeah. And that's just very 2011. I don't blame them for thinking. I blame them. <laughs> I know you're personally offended by it, but I, I am. am not. The problem is Arcade Studios is taken. So we don't have a workaround. Yeah. So if you have an idea of what our new Instagram handle should be for Arcade, because it's definitely not Hello Arcade, let us know. <laughs> okay. Bonus points. Special Thanks. shout out. All right. So anyways, we started Arcade a few years ago. If you want to hear about the origin story for how we started it, why we started it, listen to episode zero. We talk about that and our love story, if you're Mm -hmm. curious. Get a little flirty. That's right. In the last year, we've doubled in revenue and doubled in size, meaning that we were a small team and now we're a little bit bigger. Yeah, it was scary. It was. so We're not by any means a big agency. No. But... To go through that level of growth this past year, we had to learn a lot of lessons. So we want to unpack that for everybody a little bit. Exactly. There's a lot of highlights in the year too. We got our first celebrity client, got some press, won a few awards, and we learned a lot about scaling our agency. So we get asked a lot about how we grew our agency and how we run the agency. And we we believe there's so much potential in digital marketing businesses now more than ever. So we're going to try to pull back the curtain and 
be as transparent as possible about how we did that and how we think other people can also maybe learn from our mistakes or do things better. Absolutely. And I don't think it's just for people that want to start agencies or build teams. Like Mm -hmm. this can be for freelancers and entrepreneurs as well, because there's a lot of principles that transfer over, but also now is a great time to be a freelancer. Totally. Yeah. So... Should we get into it? I think we should. Like, why waste time? Okay, let's go. So we're going to have a few different categories of questions. So we're going to start with Arcade. So the first question from the audience was, what was it like when you decided to start Arcade? Mitzi, can you set the scene for us? Yes. So Arcade is actually a merger of two different agencies, my agency and Mike's agency. So we started dating. We started doing some work together. We eventually decided to get married got married. We were long distance, moved to Calgary. And we were both still had separate agencies. You had a business partner. I was on my own. And my agency specialized in social media, digital advertising. Yours specialized in like the branding mm-hmm. and identity. Digital identity, website yeah. design. Yeah. So it felt like a natural handoff between the two agencies. And what sparked the merger of the two agencies was that I got a client through another agency and they had like a collection of different agencies working on them. So it was a a, kind of a bigger client. And I was brought into like a meeting with the reps from every other agency that's working on this account. And I just like looked around the room and I just felt that no one there could compete with us in terms of creativity and ideas and yeah, expertise. I just, I just felt like we could have been stronger and, done more if we had a like combined our services and our expertise. So that's kind of what led the conversation. Yeah. At the time it felt like a size advantage, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. a skill or like competence advantage. It was a size advantage. Yeah. So I was given these other agencies or this title agency, the edge over us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say too, that neither of us before we started our own agency had worked in agencies before. So we all like everything we learned about, agency life and how to structure agency, we kind of just crashed around and figured it out together. But we have learned a lot through proximity to other agencies. So this just felt like the right move for us to grow and get the kind of clients we wanted to be the size that we want. You need to be a certain size in order to get the kind of work you want to get. So that just felt like a move in that direction. And then because we wanted it to feel like externally as a true merger and not an acquisition, we felt like it was appropriate for us to rebrand. So it didn't seem like one was taking over the other, but they were both just kind of like equally coming together to form something completely new and different. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so when we were forming this agency and going through the merger, do you want to talk about the process of like the rebrand and selecting mm-hmm. our name? Yeah, and it stuff? took us forever to figure out our name. Oh, yeah, I was, was actually headache. really torn about it because I loved our branding, which turned out to to become Waves, this podcast branding. So that's nice. But yeah, we basically took our little team into our apartment, our living room. We took sticky notes and we all kind of like put down names that we thought would be cool magazines. So we really liked how magazines were branded. It's like a name that feels... Like cereal. Yeah. Or like magazines like that. Yeah. So... We put a bunch of names on a, on a wall, like on sticky notes, and then it was just like a process of, of elimination. And mm-hmm. we almost named Arcade Bodega. That was one of them. That was one of them. I remember another one was Neon. Right. I think one was Artifact. Yeah, I'm so glad we didn't do that. Yeah. But so Arcade was like the last man standing. 
when it came to all of our team kind of like weighing in. Mm -hmm. And then we also liked that arcade had different connotations. So obviously when you say the, the name arcade, you may think of video games or like an arcade yeah, like Pac-Man and exactly. stuff like that. Yeah. But Drew, our art director, he actually pointed out that arcade is also an architectural term, mm. which we really liked the name of that much better. And that means like the bridge. It's a series of arches that support a greater structure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the bridge between your present <laughs> and your future. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, a series of arches that support a greater structure. And then I think there's an alternative definition that's like, a passageway where business happens yes. or something like that. So yeah. both of them we liked. Yeah. And then Arcade was born. Yeah. And here we are. The next question, how did you find clients at the beginning when building out your agency? When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Well, for me at Waves, I started Waves or I started freelancing, I should say, because I was working at a tech startup that temporarily was like lost funding. And so I had to figure out how to pay my bills while working my full time job. And I just reached out to my network of people that I had worked with in the past, people that I knew, and I just asked if anyone needed some social media support. So those were my first clients. I just got them through my network. And I think we still get clients today through our network or through referrals. Yeah, I think so too. I remember when I started my agency at the time, there's a huge demand for identity and websites and marketing in general for startups. Mm -hmm. You know, it was kind of when like, startups became this like trending topic and there was more like venture capital firms and angel investors and you know silicon valley kind of took shape mm -hmm. we had really positioned ourselves for those types of clients and we even created what we called a startup package which was essentially this package of deliverables that you get right at the start but then you finance the cost over 12 months so you get everything the first two or three months like your logo and your website and at the time business cards and like social icons and stuff like that and that worked well for us, but I think one mistake we made at that time was advertising with like price as the headline mm -hmm. and being an economical price, an achievable price, like making it affordable. And even though I think it, pricing is a good positioning tool situationally, I wouldn't recommend it in hindsight as like a marketing tactic because then you you kind of like pigeonhole yourself with this rep of being affordable or cheap, for lack of yeah. better words. That was a big thing we changed when we rebranded as Arcade was we didn't lead with price, you know, and we made sure that we were in the middle to high end of the pack for pricing because we really believed in our expertise. Mm -hmm. But all that to say now, yeah, we, the majority of our clients, we get through either inquiries on our website, people have found us maybe through Google or Instagram and then looked at our case studies and sent us an email or an existing client has referred them or actually, believe it or not, through the podcast. Yeah, that's right. We've gotten some clients. We even hired someone through the mm -hmm. podcast. Yeah. So that feels Just talked fun. about that last episode. That's right. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. And I don't know if you're ready for this one. <laughs> Hit me with it anyway. 
What is the hardest part of your job? And oh, don't man. say working with me. <laughs> no, that's a highlight. Hardest part of my job, I wouldn't say it's a specific task, but for me, just the way that my brain works is actually just being involved in execution. And that's why I have the role that I have. I think I'm better at building relationships and navigating or like being the liaison between our great talented teams and the clients that we work with and then just managing the business as opposed to like actually like, you Mm -hmm. know, planning campaigns or executing social drafts or coming up with a structure for ads and things like that. So I think I learned pretty quickly what the hard part of the job was for me and then got myself out of there and hired Mm -hmm. people that were way better at it than me. That's funny because when I saw this question, I was thinking that the hardest part of my job even though I feel like I've gotten a lot better at it is the client services side, but especially in moments of conflict, Mm. like especially when there's pushback. And I feel like you're far less rattled than I am when we have those moments and you're so much better at handling them rationally. So it's funny that the stuff that I do in my day in and day out is the execution part and the stuff that is hard for you is the execution part. And then the stuff that's hard for me is the client services part and the stuff that's easy for you is that. So that's fun. Yeah, that is fun. I think I've learned a lot about conflict resolution and and navigating those types of situations. And I actually, even though sometimes it still causes me stress, I feel like I do almost thrive off it because I feel like I'm, I have the toolkit now. And I got that from other people, you know, like one, one big book that has really inspired me, but also we actually buy it for every person that joins our team is called The Win Without Pitching Manifesto by Blair Enns. And we actually talked about some of those principles in, in a podcast episode. I'm just trying to actually figure out which one it is so I can reference it. But it's not just, the book isn't just about pitching, like before Mm -hmm. you get the business, but really it's about your positioning with your clients and how you, what you need to do in order to establish yourself as a trusted voice and create that like mutual benefit relationship. And also just even address things like conflict or disagreement, or if the client feels like the deliverable didn't meet their expectations or Mm -hmm. things like that. It really isn't manipulative at all. It's really just basic relationship tools or principles, but Mm -hmm. it's made a big difference for me. And I feel like when you take the time to establish trust at the beginning, then every other situation, whether it's friction or frictionless benefits from it. Totally. It's season two, episode six, building healthy client relationships through leadership and empathy. So go check it out. Yeah, that's a good one. How do you deal with losing a client if it happens? Ooh, speaking of conflict. (laughs) I know. Yeah. I'd say losing a client kind of goes in phases, it seems like. There'll be long stretches of time where we just, we have the same clients. They're awesome. Everything's going really well. Things are growing. We're getting results. Everyone's happy. And then sometimes, whether it's for a negative reason or just it's like a necessity in the brand's business growth, there ends up being a bit of a purge or like overturn Mm -hmm. in the clients that we have. and, And that's okay. But I think I still need to consciously choose not to take it personally because we really invest ourselves so deeply in what we do. Mm -hmm. And because we work so hard to establish that trust relationship Mm -hmm. and like actually feel like we have a bond with those people at the brand side that we work with. Mm -hmm. But how do I deal with it? I think my personality, I move on to what's next. You know, I'm like, okay, that's fine. I understand. You know, like here's what we're going to do to tie it up well. And Mm -hmm. then I'm thinking about, okay, where do we go from here? What are some opportunities? Who should I follow up with? What kind of client do we really want? It always causes us to be a little bit introspective Mm -hmm. and ask like, not just who's out there that is open to working with us, but 
what type of brand do we really want to be working with right now and can we best leverage our expertise for? And then let's go get them. Totally. I think I've grown a lot in that area too. For a long time, I took it personally and you've seen that. But I think it helps me when you're like, we're going to be okay. Because for a while, losing a client could lead to a layoff just at the place where our business was at. So we're affecting our own salaries. Yeah, exactly. So I would get super stressed out if we lost a client, especially a big one. And we weren't when we weren't in that position where we could afford to lose clients. So, you know, and I think there's a bit of some of sometimes some of those feelings can be healthy, but I think where it was challenging for me and I had to grow and is not taking it so personally and dwelling in that and hashing out in my head, like having a dialogue about like what I could have done better or like what I did wrong or what was wrong with me or what I didn't want to make work with me. And just because I am so front and center with some of our clients in terms of like execution and stuff. So mm-hmm. I've definitely grown in that area. And I guess now I feel like I'm much more action oriented the way you are where it's like, okay, what's next? As long as you're like, we're going to be okay, then I can get there. <laughs> yeah. And I think we, we've we both had to do a lot of work. And I, I want to share this more so just so there's like practical mm-hmm. insight for people who also take things personally like yeah. that when it comes to their business. I think we had to do a lot of work in ourselves, but also the way that we structured our business mm-hmm. so that it felt less like our personal identities and our business identity were synonymous. Totally. And that's going to be harder for a freelancer than someone who runs a business because you are your work. Yeah. You know, they're, they are paying you specifically to do specifically what you do. So it takes even more intentionality there, but you can still do it. I think you can still accomplish it. And that really comes down to also just having some awareness of what else is part of your life? You know, like mm-hmm. your business isn't your life, even though your income funds your life, mm-hmm. you can really kind of draw a distinction or a, a more clear line between what you do and who you are. Mm-hmm. And that I think is the beginning. And then over time, especially as you're building a team, the more that we empower and learn to delegate our team to be experts in what they do, then we have more confidence in the fact that this is like a quality output, but also it's less about this client is breaking up with me and it's Mm -hmm. more like this is a business decision and it's actually not even about us. It's about them and where they're at as a business and what they need in this moment. Yeah. And I've sensed that since our team has grown quite a bit, I sense that personal disappointment from some of our team when we lose a client. There's definitely that like, why did we lose them? Like, why don't they want to work with us kind of thing? But I think it is much more liberating when it's a team because it's not just about what your really it's not a reflection of just you and like that client's relationship it's a reflection of their business and our business yeah and i think there's a clear action you can take with that client too like not to save the business necessarily Mm -mm. i think you'll know in your gut if there's an opportunity to do that but also instead of making assumptions about why or, or even like assuming that it's because you're not doing a good enough job literally just ask them why, you know, so that you can learn. And often I'd say 90% of the time, if you're doing, if what you're doing is good work, Mm -hmm. it's not about the work, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a different reason altogether. Maybe it's a cash flow problem. Maybe Mm -hmm. it feels like that time in their business for them to hire internally instead Mm -hmm. of outsourcing. Totally. There's a million reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And I do want to also stress that one thing that we try to do when we're ending a relationship with a client is end on a good note end in a positive way send each other off with the good vibes positive energy so we'll do whatever we can to wrap things up really positively because you never know what if 
or when those clients will come back to you because yeah. of that service. So you always say never burn a bridge. I do. Yeah. Don't ever burn a bridge. Even yeah. if it is with a, even if you do have conflict. Right. I feel like that's really important. Yeah. And because it isn't at all like a romantic relationship. Whenever a romantic relationship ends, the common thing to say is like, I still want to be friends, you know, but mm -hmm. no one means it and it never really happens mm -hmm. or rarely really happens. When you end a relationship with a client, you can absolutely remain friends or if you're not friends, remain connections and like a valuable, healthy part of your network, you know, and mm -hmm. like you said, that could translate to a future opportunity, even though it's not right. Absolutely. In this moment. And you never know who they might refer you to. Exactly. Like we've had past clients refer us to new clients, which yeah. is the best. hundred percent. Okay, let's talk about our team. Mm, I like that topic. Yeah. I'm going to ask you, what okay. would you love to see from people who want to work at Arcade? I feel like you have more hot takes on this one <laughs> than know. me, but I don't know. I think what we look for in our view is pretty simple, but I think I can speak for us when I say really what it boils down to at the end of the day is, are you hungry and are you humble? Mm -hmm. You know, and those two main ingredients, you could call them values, but those two main ingredients, I think nine times out of 10 will translate to someone that we want on our team. Obviously totally. like expertise, experience, qualifications, those contribute. Mm -hmm. But if you have those two basic ingredients, you got a shot. Yeah. And I am the employer who will look at your social media because we are in the business of social media. So what I want to see is that you are using platforms and you seem to enjoy it because if you don't enjoy it, then you're not going to like working at Arcade because we have to be in those platforms all the time. So it doesn't have to be Instagram, like whatever your platform is, like I'll do my homework and look for a platform. That's kind of what I want to see. And I love seeing like a unique point of view. I love seeing people share their interests. I love catching a vibe for like the stuff they're into. It kind of helps me round out how could they contribute to our like team culture. So yeah, put yourself out there. You're real you. Yeah. And I think just be creative. I don't think you have to like go crazy about it, but mm -hmm. you know, you even think about how people date these days on all the dating apps. I feel like I'm always seeing examples on social media of someone who had a creative take in their bio or mm -hmm. did something funny with their photos or, you know, slid into the DMs with like a funny one-liner, mm -hmm. whatever it is, just do something that is you that sets you apart from the stack, you know, like totally. don't just check the the bare minimum boxes mm -hmm. and then be upfront about what you're looking for. You mm -hmm. know, if the job description doesn't match exactly, you should mention that. It's similar to what I was talking about, about winning a client. And this whole win without pitching idea and positioning idea is it's not about just playing by the terms of the request for proposal or mm -hmm. the job description, mm -hmm. but actually like getting the client or in this case, the employer to even change the rules a little bit or mm -hmm. make an exception for you or bend it in some way, shape or form. Like that is intriguing to me. That stands out to me. Yeah. So I'm not asking that. you to break your back to impress me, but mm -hmm. I definitely need a reason for you to get my attention. Yeah, it is hard to, this is, we haven't actually posted a job posting in a while because we're lucky enough to get a ton of resumes when we do post something, which is awesome. But it's just, I just hate looking through resumes and it's so hard to know from a resume what the person's going to be like. And like Mike mentioned, we look for humbleness and we look for someone who's hungry and a resume might not communicate that. So that's the, what you're saying about do a little something is what what's exciting to us. Yeah. And then can you expand on humble and hungry a little bit? Like even not so much in the application, but once we're having a conversation 
what does hungry really mean or what does humble really mean? What are you looking for? Yeah, I think humble, if, you know, someone like uses we more than I, they're like sharing their wins and sharing when they talk about their accomplishments and stuff, they're sharing that. That's what I, I'm really into. And like, they're just open to learn too. I think that comes with the curiosity. If you're hungry, you're curious. So I love to ask what do you want to learn? So if it's something that's like new and cutting edge or if they have like interests that kind of like semi-relate to the job, that's really cool because it shows they're not just hungry to do check off a box and do their job, but they're hungry about like the industry too. Yeah. You often mean when you say hungry, you mean driven kind of. Yeah. I feel like I just workshopped this with my coach. <laughs> oh, well, coach us all. I know. I need to like pull up my notes here. Yeah. Well, and I want to, while you're, maybe while you're thinking about that, I want to also disclaim that when we say hungry, we aren't setting the stage to then make you work 60 hours a week no, or no, like no, 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 grind. No. You know, it's not, this isn't like a hustle angle, but more hungry in the sense that you want to continue learning and growing and evolving and doing your best work. Exactly. But we're actually really aware and trying to be really intentional to make to make sure that our workplace is a healthy workplace and i know we're not perfect at it because Mm -hmm. inevitably this is the reason that agencies sometimes get a bad rap is it's a fast pacing and paced environment things can happen all hours of the day sometimes it's a crisis sometimes Mm -hmm. it's an opportunity but we are we do really work hard to balance that and especially when someone's on vacation like respect their vacation you know totally yeah protect their vacation and when they have an obligation or like a family commitment or something like that, like protect that. Wanted yeah, to make sure so you said that. Hungry, when I mean hungry, it's like not being complacent or doing the same thing over and over again. So being curious about your industry, especially in marketing, especially digital marketing, like yeah. we have to be students of our own industry. So I need to see some sort of reflection of that. And people who like reject the notion that what you did last year is what you need to do today, that's not going to be successful in in our line of work. So people who are like hungry to kind of like be on top of what's current in our industry, that's what I'm looking for. Whether it's that, you know, I can see that through your social media feeds or I hear that in an interview, that's what is exciting to me. I love that. That's a clarification I wanted. Some of what we've alluded to as well relates to another question and that is, do you only hire your friends? That was funny when I saw that question come in because I feel like we do have a reputation for hiring our friends and to be like, we have hired a lot of friends yeah, and it's, it's awesome. No, we don't only hire our friends. We try to hire people that we like to be with. So sometimes those are friends. Sometimes they're people that we like that end up being friends mm-hmm. through work. But we like to say that being friends with someone on the team might get you through the door, but it won't keep you there. Right. So we like to hire our team's friends. Like every time we're like looking for someone new to add to the team, we ask our team first, who would you like to work with? Who would be a good fit for who's this on your kind radar? Of, of job? Yeah. yeah who's and, making waves right now and why? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So yes, being we we have hired friends and, you know, it's been awesome. And there's some challenges to that too sometimes, but yeah. Really, I think whether it's a friend or someone we're connected to directly or indirectly, it all relates back to that whole trust conversation. You know, like, mm-hmm. do we have a reason to trust and trust them and believe what they say and give them a chance to like do their best work with us, mm-hmm. you know? So that helps, but it's not required by any means. And 
we have some really, really great team members that we had no connection to yeah. before we started that hiring who conversation. No connection to anyone on our team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the options out there for really anyone. What was a time when you had to choose between a personal and a work commitment? <laughs> Literally every day. <laughs> I'm like, All right. I don't know. Isn't every day like that? For example, if you had a client call that went late and I had plans to work out, but I have to go pick up Elena. Like that is a example of a work commitment coming before a personal commitment. Yeah, it happens a lot. And I think we've always kind of talked about our work as like busy, flexible, Mm -hmm. you know, and not flexible in the sense that we have lots of extra time, but flexible in the sense that like there's give and take in both directions. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes the work is going to bleed into our personal life and get in the way of things or force us to cancel or reschedule. But at the same time, we have a bit of flexibility in the sense that we can do personal stuff during what would traditionally be work hours, or mm-hmm. we can have a friend stop by the office and kick it for a bit yeah, you know, or totally. whatever it may be. And that's the same with our team. Yeah. And I think this feels a bit more easier to find examples for because now we're parents. And I feel like every day as a parent who like a working parent, especially those who run their own business, I feel like every day is kind of like a sacrifice. You're sacrificing Mm. something. You're not balancing anything. You're just sacrificing things. So it's like, what's the sacrifice right now in this season? A few weekends ago, my parents were in town and my mom wanted to take our daughter to a farm and it was during a work day, during the day. And I sacrificed that time from work so I could be with family. It's always going to be a tug of war. You're always mm-hmm. like sacrificing something. Yeah. And I'm sure everyone listening knows the reality that your to-do list just never ends. Mm-hmm. So there's always, I think that's one thing that we've really gotten better at, especially in this last year was realizing that there will always be work there, yeah. but sometimes something else is a higher priority. Yeah. The ship's not going to burn down. Totally. With those minor, like small decisions. Yeah. Too. And I will say that we've gotten a lot better at sacrificing or choosing our personal over our business. Like, I think for a long time, we didn't really have a life. <laughs> like, that's just the reality of like the early years. We had to like give it all we ha- we had. But we and chose then, that happily. Yeah. That oh, for sure. Yeah. We definitely chose that happily. And we had a family and all that stuff. So we didn't really have a choice. Like our business needed a, a lot more attention from us personally than it does now. So I feel like we have a much better balance between the two responsibilities, I guess. Mm-hmm. And we're choosing it intentionally over and over again Yeah, to like accept that we're not going to get work done to, in the evening and we're not going to work on weekends unless we absolutely have to and kind of like drawing that boundary. Yeah. I think a huge thing for me in this conversation, especially in the last year or so was having the awareness to ask myself what part of the day gets my best energy. And then in tandem with that, prioritize what is in front of me, whether it's work or personal. So if there's an opportunity to spend time with my daughter or to spend time with you as my wife and not my business partner, Mm -hmm. compared to like all the client obligations and things like that. And based on the level of priority of all those things that day, then I kind of create my schedule. In a given day, if I know I have my best energy in the morning, the most important things should happen in the morning. And then the things that need less energy or aren't as urgent should happen when I know, when I have the awareness to know that I'm going to have less energy. And that's been huge for me because I used to always do a lot of work at night. But then I realized that, man, I'm absolutely exhausted at night. And any of the work I'm doing, if I even get it done, is pretty rough. 
but often a lot of the time I wasn't even really getting much done. I just felt busy. I was just like staring at my screen because I felt obligated to do the work, but then what it wasn't actually benefiting me. So now, you know, sometimes I'll get up early and do some work before my priorities are even awake, you know, like my daughter so that I can give her my best attention after that. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's not getting up early to work. Maybe it's getting up early to work out. Yeah. But then I, I feel like I have the presence of mind to like really be at my best for that hour before Elena goes to daycare or whatever it may be. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast Audio Branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I will say in addition to that, though, even I feel like you've you're much better now at making work like balancing how important work is, you know, like even if it is a priority, even if it is something you need to do, you'll still be like, no, I'm taking Elena to daycare. I got to focus on her in the morning and getting to stuff if you have to. But you're good at like nothing's gonna burn down if I don't do this right now. Yeah. Which took us some time. Yeah. And I think, again, like a lot of people that are listening to this probably have experienced this before, but I feel like in the past, we've kind of had a poverty mentality about things. So we were always kind of anxious that if we lost a client or if something went wrong, or if someone was upset about something that that could be it, you know, Mm -hmm. but really having that mindset shift to more of an abundance perspective where anything that happens isn't necessarily going to be critical to our business. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to have a knee jerk reaction to every notification that comes in or email or everything that happens. And I can also, I have people in place that I trust. So it's not actually better for us or our business or our family or our team. If we're always the ones jumping in first to Mm -hmm. respond to something, like just let it play out, be present with where you're at. And everyone's better for it. 100%. Mike, would you ever launch another business? Yeah. Cool. Definitely. <laughs> We've got a whole list. Yeah, absolutely. Watch yeah. out for some of that. I mean, I'd start another podcast. I would what start. What kind a- of podcast would you start? Oh, man, Brad, what kind of podcast are we going to start? Bitcoin. Oh, man. Whoa. I'm not enough of a Bitcoiner yet, but maybe future. You need to start a football podcast. Yeah, I could, I could do fantasy football. That's what I was hoping Brad would say, but he's out of the game. Art, fashion. Art, oh, and fashion. art and fashion. That'd be fun. Outside of podcasts, I would start brands. You know, we've mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about e-com brands, direct-to-consumer products. That's a lot of our clients. So I feel like we've got a lot of experience in that. I'd love to start a men's skincare line. Whoa. Let's talk about that. <laughs> I'm surprised you let the world know about that. Well, I mean, people can start some that compete with me and we'll see who wins. Let's go. Yeah, take, I'm take game it. for that. I definitely want to start more businesses. And have more kids. You don't have to share your ideas. Okay, I'm not going to. They're a little bit more proprietary. Mm -hmm. But I feel like for just the men's skincare line as an example, that's a market that needs more brands, you know? And even going from skincare even to like hair products for men, like there's so many, there's a lot of them, but they're all kind of that similar like barber culture, tattoo, woodsman, bearded man Mm -hmm. kind of branding. And Mm -hmm. we don't all want that. I have a beard, but I don't want to look like a hobo, you know? (laughs) Or like a lumberjack. Yeah. I'm not trying to be your like 2019 lumber sexual, you know, I'm just trying to 
live my modern <laughs> contemporary life with minimal branding. Yeah. I'm into it. Can I get an amen? <laughs> okay. Next question. Would you ever sell arcade? Ooh. This is I feel like one. we have a lot we could talk about here. Mm-hmm. So would we ever sell arcade? Yes. Yes. In the future? Yes. Have we had the opportunity to sell arcade? Yes. yes. <laughs> In the past. Did we decide to sell it? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> For many reasons. One being that we knew... Okay, this happened last year. Yes. We actually, it wasn't just one offer. We got two offers last Competing year. Competing offers. Yeah. It was flattering. And I we went through the process of due diligence more as, a, to be honest, I think in hindsight as a learning opportunity, but also to really understand the valuation of our company at the time and, mm-hmm. and what would contribute to a strong valuation in the future. But I think going through that process also quickly brought us to the realization that even a year from that point, we would likely be astronomically, like worth astronomically more than what we were worth at the time because of the growth trajectory that we were on Mm -hmm. and the quality of work that we knew we were doing, the clients we were working with, what we were charging, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that. So, And we also just wanted to be kings. Like we wanted to be in charge of our business. The idea of, I don't know, we went through the the motions of it and when it came, price is cool, price is fun. Like it's fun to talk about that stuff. But when it came down to like, the org structure and then realizing you're going to be an employee to someone and someone's going to tell you what to do. That's what was really hard for me. So yes, I want to sell arcade at some point. And I realize that when we do sell part of that will look like us still working at the business for a little bit under, you know, whatever company it is that we choose to sell for. So as long as that feels right and feels exciting, then I'm open to it. Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot to protect. Yes. So it's not so simple as like the highest bidder no, in the future not. when the time comes. We're going to build it so that we're positioned well if the time does come to sell. But then there's going to be a lot of other factors that go into that, like you said, which is aligned values, shared vision, trust and respect, you know, like my new salary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah, all have those to things be a are high important. Bid. Absolutely. Can you ask now? Okay. Let's see. Why did we decide to start a podcast? Because we don't want to blog. And we wanted some sort of outlet for thought leadership. Selfishly, we wanted to network more with people, other thought leaders in our industry, connect more, learn from them. The podcast is the fruition of those desires. Yeah. I mean, to anyone who's blogging, why are you doing so much work? Well, I don't know. Like, blogs are coming back. We got to be careful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hear me out. All right. You can do a podcast and still get all of the benefits of the blog without the work of the blog because out of a podcast, you get not only a transcript, which is super SEO rich, but also show notes, which you have to produce, but it's based on dialogue that's already happened. So it's a lot less work, but it still has like a beginning, middle and end and it has value in that way. So you're still getting essentially the same ingredients and benefits of a blog post but just through a natural conversation that benefits everyone and lives on multiple platforms and multiple formats. Okay, hear me out. Okay. A blog is not the same as a podcast. The way you write a blog is different than when, the way you speak on a podcast. There's a narration that you miss in the voice of a blog. And I feel like lots of people can read blogs in so many different environments, but not everyone can just like listen to a conversation all the time. So... I feel like, and also a blog, it lives on a website that's yours and your content's there that's yours. It's not on like a, another like RSS system or another like social media platform. Like you own that 
domain and it's your intellectual property. All the writers in the back are chanting your name right now. <laughs> <laughs> that was for you guys. That's coming from my wife, the journalism major. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I don't think you're wrong, but I think I feel like a lot of you still get a lot of the benefits of the blog through the podcast because of the different formats. Yeah, tactically you do, yes. but you lose that voice. True. Yeah. And the potential of like visuals. Yeah. Consuming a blog that's on a really great website that has imagery that supports it, it's different. Well, our podcast has imagery that supports it. I know, it. but like what I'm picturing is a blog that has, I don't know, examples of certain things that they're speaking to or like the yeah. fashion blog or things it. like that. Okay. Well, you heard it here first, folks. We're starting a blog. <laughs> Watch out for my blog. <laughs> I'd rather start a print magazine, personally. If we're going to do all the work of writing essentially articles, you know, let's print that bad boy. I'm not saying we should start a blog. I'm just trying to communicate the value of a blog. Someone call in the mediator. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next question is for you, Mike. I'm really excited for you to answer this one. Does the podcast make us money? Oh, man. Here, let me explain. Wave Social Podcast is like our angsty teenager. They are really cool. We have a lot of fun most of the time, but it's not easy on the pocketbook. Mm -hmm. And it looks better <laughs> from the outside than what actually happens at the end of the day behind closed doors. Really? No, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm embellishing. We are not profitable as a podcast, no. but part of that is decisions we've made on how we want to do it. You know, for the, in one sense, so far, we haven't done sponsored ad reads, mm -hmm. but also we, tr we really do treat it as a marketing channel for Arcade. So it's not directly profitable, but knowing that we have closed clients through mm -hmm. the podcast, several of them, maybe actually if we went back and compared that revenue to what we've spent on the podcast, we would be. But Ooh, that's cool. I just thought about that in the moment. Merch, we're having fun with merch. It's another great But we are losing money output. on it. Yeah, but we went into it knowing that. So at the end of the day, no, Waves Podcast isn't directly profitable, but it is an entity of arcade studios and it is a marketing channel that's generated clients and merch has been a great case study or experience for us. And mm -hmm. it's a great way to just like spread some love and do something different. Not that we're the first ones to ever do merch, but there's just a different take on it for us. And we get to put our stamp on it, you know, mm -hmm. really give it our vibe. And yeah. we have sold out on some stuff, which was fun. Yes. Cool. <laughs> this one is definitely for you, Mitzi. Would you ever open another office in a different city? And second part to the question, if so, which city? Oh boy. Yes, absolutely. We'd open a different office in another city. I say yes. You would say no. And I find the idea of like a physical space, like we just moved into our new office, which is amazing. And we're, we're having so much fun there and decorating it is really fun. But there's so much value in like people being in a physical space that I definitely want more physical spaces in other cities. A lot of people feel like office space is a waste of money. It's like more overhead, yada, yada. But I just feel like there's so much value in that. And it makes it more attractive for people who want to work at certain companies. So, yes, I want more offices and I want them in a lot of cities. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't. Cool. I wouldn't say no. I, I think I would say not right now. Yeah. Because I actually don't think right now offices are an incentive for employees. I think offices are going to be like print magazines where there's going to be. novelty. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's not a novelty. It's a luxury. Oh, go there. <laughs> Take us there. So with digital, obviously, it 
definitely made an impact to print sales, print everything. And it kind of like showed us another way of getting information out that's quicker and faster and more efficient. But there's just like something special. There's just like a special feeling when you hold something that's in print. It's like this doesn't need to exist, but it does. That's how I feel people will look at office spaces in the future once people kind of like adopt this new way of like hybrid or remote Mm -hmm. work. I'm drinking your Kool-Aid right now. I'm into that. And I also, I think, would add to that and say that we can take a different approach to offices. Like I think maybe the traditional office is a waste of money right now in this age that we're in with like hybrid or remote work. But also I think there's an opportunity to reimagine offices. Mm -hmm. And I also don't think this is completely original, but from my perspective, it would be so fun to do kind of like a retail office hybrid, you know, like get a storefront and do something cool with it. And maybe we work out of the back of it, or maybe we work off the second floor, but the retail space is a pop-up shop or an event space or a collaboration with some of the brands that we work with to do something really special and unique. Taking space and giving it more purposes, not with a co-working angle, but more of like a creative brand and customer engagement opportunity. That's fun to me. Hmm. Cool. Especially in the type of cities that you want to be in, like the New Yorks and the LAs and the Paris office. And, you know. <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever have an office in Paris because we yeah. don't speak French. We'll just go there for Ken. There you go. All right, let's get into some personal stuff. Oh, I feel like we've been personal. I know. How has your work with Arcade had an impact on your personal life? Well, I busted a move and now I sleep with my boss. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) No. I'm not your boss also. Well, some would say. (laughs) You got the corner office. That's true. I did get the corner office. But I am the managing partner, so. I don't know. What would you say? Of course it has an impact on our personal life. The fact that we're both employed at the same place, both entrepreneurs and owners of the same business, integrates like into a person life a million times. As entrepreneurs, you eat what you kill. So on the most practical, basic level, it impacts our personal well-being and livelihood because how successful Arcade is impacts our resources. So yeah, and then a million other ways. We're both passionate about our work. So and we spend the most time at our jobs than we do anywhere else. So if it's been a tough day or if it's a hard season, then of course it's going to impact our personal life because we're both there. So yeah. Yeah. I feel like for me, it has less day to day influence on my personal life than it used to, but I definitely benefit from it in my personal life in the sense that you learn so much in our line of work about, I guess, for lack of better words, behavioral psychology, you know, mm-hmm. like how people work, what, how they think makes them take a certain action, how to evoke a certain emotion. And essentially at the end of the day, like just effective communication, mm-hmm. you know, totally. So I think I've really benefited from that in my personal life. Yeah. <laughs> when you said effective, <laughs> okay. effective communication, I just remembered like our daughter the other day, she was like, I have to take a call. And she pretended <laughs> to be on a call. And I was like, oh my goodness she's even that's like part of her personal life now you know yeah so and she loves coming to the office and she calls it her office and yeah she's the boss when she's there okay this one's fun and no cheating let's both open our phones and pull out our latest google search our latest one Hmm. i had some when i saw this question i had some immediate thoughts but i don't know what my latest one would be i already know what yours is what it's some like NFL Reddit feed or like <laughs> some or or it's a furniture company. 
best fantasy football <laughs> team names. Uh, that's my most recent one. I feel like one of my most common Google searches, though, is literally exchanging USD to Canadian dollars because we have a lot of US clients now. And as I'm like quoting on things, I'm that's like, good. okay, how much is this in Canadian? That's honestly my last Google search. Nice. nice. Good job, Brad. Mine are like just clothes and some articles from The Cut. And oh, googling how to open our drain pipe because I dropped. Yeah, let's talk about no, that. I'll just mention it briefly, but I did drop my wedding ring down the drain, but it, it has been recovered. All is well in the world. We're good to go. It took you four years. Yeah, to get honestly, there. I feel like it is a rite of passage for everyone. Yeah, so and we were able to recover good. it. Yeah, so, so I'd much rather pay for an hour of a plumber's time than a new ring. That's for sure. No harm, no foul. Yeah. Okay. What's the best social media network? My personal opinion, I think TikTok. Okay. And your rationale? And you? Doesn't ask for rationale. I ask for rationale. <laughs> rationale is because, I don't know, there's no platform like it and everyone's trying to be TikTok. So it's the industry leader in what's new and trending and TikTok content is on every other social media platform. So in my opinion, that reigns supreme. Okay. I think the one where I share the most is still Instagram. The yeah. one where I actually consume the most these days is Twitter. Oh, that's right. You never, I feel like I never would have imagined I would get to this place, but I spend actually a lot of time on Twitter. And I think I, it's because I first started getting into Reddit and they're mm -hmm. kind of similar and they, there's like similar humor. And I spend way more time in comment feeds and comment sections than you do you like <laughs> no. you check out a feed post or a tiktok video but you're not checking the comments you're scrolling i'm starting to since you told me that yeah like, the i gold honestly the comments the gold is in the comments it's not even the like original content that creators are posting it's in the comments people are hilarious i just don't think about checking twitter every day but i yeah. will check it if there's something going on like the donda album or bachelor in paradise like right. all that stuff but donda you, or clb donda I don't know. I mean, I like the, I think there's more, uh, we could have like a whole other episode about this, but I think there's more bangers in Donda than there is in CLP. Not a chance. <laughs> there are, there are two bangers out of 26 songs on Donda. The, actually, here's what is. <laughs> <laughs> We're spending time on this. I don't care. <laughs> okay. Here's actually like why I th I'd say Donda is because the song on Kanye's album with Jay-Z is preferable to me than the song on Drake's album with Jay-Z. So I'm really just comparing Use, use Jay-Z Jay as like the common denominator. Absolutely. I respect that. But I think it depends because <laughs> <laughs> Kanye is definitely the more talented artist. Mm -hmm. Drake gives the people what they want. I don't think, I didn't think that about That's this That's exactly album. what Certified Lover Boy is though, is giving the people what they want. It's, it's what they've always loved about Drake. It's the same, it's a similar sound, it's a similar flow. Uh-uh. My favorite Drake songs are not the the flow of what he delivered. Like I love Nice for What and God's Plan, like the bangers that you're like bumping in your car, not like the emotional like flowy I songs. I think he covers the spectrum, but All right, that's because for I'm day. starting to lose this argument, we're going to move on. <laughs> what are your guilty pleasures? Oh man. My guilty pleasures, I think I've alluded to them. I enjoy football, specifically fantasy football. Especially in the last couple of years, I've gotten a lot more into art. I don't know if that's guilty because no. that's like culture. But yeah, I hate this the way this question is framed because it's like implying that anything that you're interested in 
you should feel guilty for it. Right. Like, I don't make you feel guilty about being into fantasy football. So let's should- let's follow that rabbit trail. <laughs> Everyone out there who's listening, who's in a relationship, especially if you work together, but also just if you're in a relationship, especially if you're married. <laughs> If you're dating, you especially, guys are just, especially, yeah. If you guys are dating, you're figuring your shit out. It's okay. Yeah. Like make each other feel guilty, do what you got to do. But if you're going to spend your life together, especially if you work together, you need to stop being so precious. Let your partner be interested in what they're interested in. Empower them. Don't just let them empower mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. to enjoy what they enjoy. Unless mm-hmm. it's like frigged up, you know, unless, <laughs> yeah, unless it's, it's weird. I already swore once. So I had to just like <laughs> censor that one. <laughs> Unless it's like really messed up, you know, like then you should probably talk about it, maybe even see a therapist. But if it's just a hobby, you know, if it's inconvenient to you, that's okay. Just empower them in that. You're really good at that for me. Thank you. Good. I'm happy that you found something that you love and you can like decompress with. I do feel bad for people who feel like their partners harp on them for being interested in things like football. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. And it goes both ways. I think Mm -hmm. that's the moral of the story here is that like if you both have that posture towards each other, then you both end up really enjoying your life. Yeah. And one thing I think you led the way in our relationship with this is trying to like what the other person likes. I had no interest in football before I dated you. Like I had, I'd never watched it. Knew like the basic, basic, basic concept of the game. But I feel like because I made a conscious decision to try to like it, not just understand it, but try to like it, I feel like you felt so loved just for that simple thing that I did. And I feel like that went a long way. And then you try to like what I'm into, like, we'll watch a Kardashians together or like, (laughs) I don't know, like Bachelor and stuff like that. And like, it's not your first choice of things to do in the evening, but like you sit with me and you try to like get into it and understand it and ask Yeah, you don't have to, you also don't have to be an expert in it to embrace it. You know, I'm never going to be fully up on what the Kardashians are doing or who Scott Disick is dating or (laughs) how many times Tristan Thompson has cheated on Chloe. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm never going to fully know, but I can at least like, be engaged enough to make it enjoyable for both of us, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's, I think what you're saying about the things that I like is you don't have to know everything about it. And even if you didn't like football, it'd be okay because you're nice enough, you know, (laughs) you're, you're invested in enough in what I enjoy to like engage in it and empower me in it. And that like sets us both up for success because there's way less tension. It's less like, oh, you're choosing this over me. Yeah. And more like we're just empowering each other to enjoy what we enjoy and have fun. Yeah, so my guilty pleasures, I don't know, reality TV, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. beauty, yeah, clothing, fashion. Yeah. What has parenthood taught you about business, if anything? Man, I don't remember seeing this question before we got here. I got one. Yeah, you start. I think it's taught me how to be patient. Like, understand that if you're the way what you're communicating isn't getting coming across, it's a you problem. Like, you need to take another stab at it. Yeah. Yeah, I think mine would be similar. And that is with our daughter, you can't just necessarily get her to do what you want exactly how you want it right away. You know, it's kind of like you have to distill it to a series of small steps to <laughs> like make work your way in that direction. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like that with people and in business, you know, like you're not going you're not going to accomplish that goal overnight. You're not going to get your client or your boss to see the way you see things right away. There's a series of steps there's a process that needs to happen before you get there mm-hmm. and just like embracing that and, you know, like making space for that, making time for that, setting your timeline or your due date accordingly, you know, so that you can actually go through the process to get there 
and like make it effective. I see that with our daughter and I see that in our business. And I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of alignment there. And mm-hmm. man, I, if I thought about it much longer, I feel like we could write a Bible about the business principles we learn from our kid. Yeah. And I feel like if we talked about it longer, you'd start crying. <laughs> <laughs> I get sappy easy. But anyways, let's move on. This is a game. Fun rapid fire answers here. This so is a quick, grand finale. Quick answers. Yes. Grand finale. Ready? This are you, is gonna are you be, the game host and I'm like the... No, I think you should ask these questions, actually. I'm going like to ask I'm, them? Okay. Yeah, I think you should. Okay. And then we're going to answer at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For all those listening, we didn't plan this. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Okay. Chantel, our production assistant, threw this in and we... She loves games. She loves so games. this is like a dream So if this goes well, her. give her credit. If not, blame her. <laughs> no. Sorry, Chantel. Okay. I'm going to ask questions and we're both going to answer. We're going to see what happens. Okay. okay. The first question is, who's funnier? Me. Me. You don't actually think you are. <laughs> I think I am, but only when you repeat the things I say. I'm not funny. It oh. doesn't It doesn't sound funny when it comes out of my mouth, but when you say them, it's funny. So things you say and do are funny in parody <laughs> because I am funny in my delivery. <laughs> okay, next question. Clarified. Who's the better cook? <laughs> Me. No. <laughs> okay, you don't actually believe that either. Actually, it's you. Okay, you do a few <laughs> things well, for sure. You've got a, a few go-tos like chicken, chicken wings, wings and salad. <laughs> it's good, I'm not going to lie. But yeah, if we if there's any like creativity required, I think <laughs> put me in, coach. I know. My actually life dream is to be a good cook. Yeah, Maybe one day. We need it. to invest in some cooking lessons. <laughs> Absolutely. Who's the better dressed? You. I was going to say you. Really? Yeah. You're the, fa- you're the one that's into fashion. Yeah, but like... I'm a mixed bag. You're, you've got like a distinct style. You're not a mixed bag. <laughs> yeah. I could go any, I could go either way. I could like look good one day and maybe just do something recycled. That makes me think, it's, again, this isn't a pet peeve, but <laughs> one of your go. quirks, the amount of outfits you go in a single morning, <laughs> you could just pick something and wear it, you know, and it would be good. Like every version you go through, I feel like you go through this process of like great outfit, but you want to try a few different things questionable outfits and then you like recover into a great outfit (laughs) yeah so (laughs) yeah let's just go with your gut next time you know okay i think you are you think i am i keep it simple yeah i like your style thanks who's better at operating on less sleep me no i'll give you that one i'll give you that one i get up earlier but i also go i'm tired sooner i which makes sense and i also breastfed our baby for six months and barely slept for six Throws months. Throws in the so trump card. I win. Wow. Okay. Not going to argue that one. Who's a pickier eater? You. This is also up for debate. I think Chantel planted these questions because she knew we'd argue about them, but I think we need to first, before we make this decision, we need to define what picky means because if you're, if by picky you mean I want variety, no, no, then that absolutely is, I am a pickier eater. That is the definition of picky. No. Yeah, it is. If picky it's like limits the options, but what I I want more options. No, picky is like, I don't want to eat this, this, or this. The only time I ever said that is if we've already ate that three times this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're way pickier than I am. The options I'm putting in front of I'm us are the things with... that we haven't had in at least two or three days. So that's that's part of being picky. Like no. I'm good with whatever. So I am definitely way more easygoing than you. Everyone are. who's listening, slide into our DMs and tell me <laughs> no, if I'm I don't want to know. I already know I, I'm less picky. Who spends more money? You. <laughs> Not up for debate. <laughs> See, the thing with Mitzi is her hobby is spending money. She said her guilty pleasure is the Kardashians and reality TV. Her hobby is literally going shopping and spending money. I'm sure this is relatable to a lot of people. 
And I empower it, just to our point before, but I had to say it. You never make me feel bad about it. Yeah, I like to get my nails done, so what? Yeah, and you you really like shopping. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Who puts in more hours at work? You. Do you actually think that? I think so. Maybe it's my perception because you still are good at working in the evening, and I've stopped doing that. Mm-hmm. We both work our butts off, but I would say if we had if we kept track of hours, you'd beat me. Interesting. Who likes to travel more? Me. I think so too. Cool. We at this point we both want to travel. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? You like it a little bit more than me. Sometimes I just want to be at home. Who takes more time getting ready? We don't even need to answer that based <laughs> on previous evidence that's been provided. Who's better with directions? Me. You. We don't have to worry about that one. <laughs> Who's more predictable? You. you. What? You are for sure more predictable. I know. I know. Sense? I know absolutely everything Give you're doing. Give me a reason. Share your rationale. hour of the day. I know what time you're waking up. I know exactly what you're doing after you wake up. I know. So what I'm doing is predictable because I believe in routine. But exactly. what I'm thinking or how I'll respond to something, is that predictable? That's not what's being asked. Who's more predictable? It doesn't spe- specify actions. It just says who is more predictable. I know how you'll respond to things. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll give you that one. Last question before we wrap this thing up. Who needs more alone time or downtime? You. Yes, I do. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily say I'm an introvert, especially like young. when I was younger, I was really extroverted. But these days, I think because maybe especially because of my role at our business. I'm so client facing. I think by the end of the day, I'm just ready to be away from people and just like kind of be in recovery mode. Yeah. And I'm good to bounce around. You always need a body around. Yeah. You're not happy if you're by yourself. I like lose energy if I'm by myself. Yeah. I'm like a blob. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I'm your, I keep you company. Yeah. You're the body. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that was fun. Would we ever do it again? I don't know. Yeah, we'll see what you guys think. But hopefully that was beneficial. Hopefully there's, like we always like, some practical insight in there. We might keep this going on an IG Live or just doing it again on Instagram stories or something like that. But we'd love to hear what you think. Hit us up on Instagram. Find us personally. What's your Instagram handle? Mitzi with three M's. Mine is Mike with three M's and three I's because I couldn't get just the one with three M's like you. Yeah, and what's really cute is that you adopted my Instagram handle when and I adopted your last name. Yeah, I mean, I was down to take your last name. Okay, we can't go there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> cool. We're out. That's a wrap on episode six. See you next week. This episode of Wave Social Podcast is powered by Arcade Studios. Show notes for this episode and other episodes can be found at wavesocialpodcast.com. You can also subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you've got questions, comments, or suggestions for future shows, hit us up at wavesocial on Instagram. Thanks for joining us.